Welcome to the Playing Footsie podcast. My name is Paul and each episode me and the lads get together to talk about the stocks, stock market news and finance in general. Quick disclaimer, you shouldn't consider anything in this podcast as personal financial advice. If you need such advice, go to a financial advisor. And please remember when investing in any form, your capital is at risk. So sit back, relax and let the lads fill you in with all the stock market news of the week. The sucker's going up. Uh, we've got like a pretty packed show today. And to be honest, guys, today is going to be the first day we're standing alone on the podcast, right? As in, this is now going to be on its own podcast channel. Uh, what did I say earlier? I, sh- I shed it from, from my channel. Uh, we spun it off. We spun it off into my uh, into its own playing footsie youtube channel and obviously you can hear this on spotify it's very popular on spotify isn't it i haven't looked at the details steve looks at the details more than i do on yeah it's in the top uh, the top five podcasts in cyprus <laughs> thank it's you seller cool. yeah i'll take that thank you seller from the discord um love <laughs> love that you you must be the one guy in cyprus is, is the only one in the... investing in cyprus i think <laughs> Um, yeah, so and also uh, another big big bit of news today is today is ISA day. It's the first day of the new tax year. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year to Happy you. Happy New Year. Are we going to go Happy see old and stuff like that? New Year, One new more year. <laughs> yeah, it's been quite funny. It's been quite funny because people have been saying, oh, let's, are you going to fill your ice this year? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to try well, my hardest. And then there's people on the Discord, and I think one or two of you have already pretty much filled half your ice already on the first day. So, uh, yeah, yeah, like I, I made it a big – it's a big deal for me to fill the ice. Ta- uh, Taxman's coming for him. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and um, – you know, people were really nice and they were saying like, oh, well done for filling your ice and stuff. And I thought it was a really hard thing to do. But yeah, it turns out there's people on Discord that are that can fill it in a day. So uh, congrats to those people out there. Um, a, a great achievement though. But yeah, Winnie, it's, free, Winnie from it's ISA day, free, t- free tax day, free tax day. Um, what are you guys going for for 2021? What's, what's, your fir- what's been your first buys of 2021? Um, crypto. I'm still bullish on crypto. A lot of people still can't make sense of. Them. I mean, I still can't 110 percent make sense of them. Um, but the underlying kind of technology, That's a good the start. That's good start, Zach. You know that <laughs> it is. I mean, it, because what it means is I need to research and read up more because it's very complicated. I think a lot of people just think, okay, we're uh, you know, a lot of coins and tokens are incoming, and people seem to think they know what they what they are, but there's loads. There's even Atari getting involved now with Pong, and I've, I don't know why. Some of the comments asked me the other day: Should I be, rather than investing in Bitcoin, should I just invest in the Bitcoin miners because you essentially get a leverage trade on the cryptocurrencies? I don't fully understand that. Why? Why not the exchanges? I know Coinbase yeah. is coming up. Uh, there's a couple of more exchanges that some might not have heard of. Uh, Voyager Dig- Digital. It's not on Trading 212. It's on um, Interactive Brokers. And there's another one, Big Digital Assets. Both are exchanges and they're extremely 
undervalued when compared to Coinbase. Oh, yeah. I, you know what? I've, you said, you told me about Big, Digi- Big Digital the other day, and I've, I've watched it, and actually, that's done really, really well. So, uh, yeah. The, um, I noticed that Gemini, Gemini are another, they're probably the <laughs> second largest out of it. I noticed that they sponsored the, the boat race this year. Um, mm. The Cambridge Oxford boat race. Not to be a stereotype that investors know about this thing. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I did spot that. Um, well, Gemini is the Winklevoss, the isn't it? Winklevoss twins, yeah, <laughs> the Winkle Winklevoss twins. Um... <laughs> historic boat race competitors. <laughs> yeah, historic boat race competitors. And lost. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they. I think, I think they are one of the very few exchanges that haven't been hacked yet. I think that was the case. I know that Kraken's been hacked, and I know that um, Binance has also had, I think, I'm going out on a limb here, I believe that Binance is the only one that got hacked from an insider. I might be wrong there, I might have the two confused, and that's going out on a limb. Apologies for anyone on their keyboards right now. I wasn't them. Yeah, it would be one of them. Anyway, uh, what, what, uh, what has everyone else been putting in their ISA? I um I've well I've bought lots of stuff today, but probably my two biggest purchases were a, quite a big top up on ASML. Um, ASML is a Dutch um, semiconductor manufacturing manufacturer. Um, so they basically make the machines that make the semiconductor. Um, they're um, a huge profitable hidden company. Probably my favorite company in my portfolio. And the other company I added to a well-known company was Amazon. Um, again, it's a no-brainer for me. Amazon, I just think strength to strength, easy returns. Really, uh, even at even at the high prices, um, which I don't think they're necessarily not good value either. Um, yeah, happy to buy them. I bought a load today. Listen, them. We haven't got the time. Um, but Blackline, Abcellera, um was probably my other two biggest purchases it's worth uh, noting that steve is well known for just finding the most random stocks out there but, uh, uh, amazon amazon i don't think amazon's particularly overvalued um i, I think thought you could say it's particularly random i thought you were gonna say it's particularly <laughs> random <laughs> quite a big company amazon break them up break i think they will go somewhere <laughs> who's, who's the ceo is he kind of rich uh good question know? now is it is it andy jesse yeah, yeah or it, not no, it's Jeff's Jeff's ex wife. Jeff's Jeff's wife's like fifty something like that. In the uh... best investment ever. Best I, saw, investment I saw I saw a graph, right? I saw a graph. I think she did probably the best in the market. She <laughs> she she got from the bottom and then she she left him at the top. It was too funny. Yeah, she she basically nicked half of it. Although apparently, you know, she's very smart and very right. I think she's got a doctorate and everything. And she probably did. I think she did put quite a lot of work into Amazon herself. Yeah. So she was she, quite. A, she isn't just she, a trophy wife that was sitting on the side or anything. Probably a big part of Amazon, I think. Probably could I have made more. She is also pretty much a badass when it comes to giving as well. Uh, with these kind yeah, of things. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's saying that her she wants to give all of Jeff's wealth away (laughs) it's not jeff's wealth is it that's that's really bad but she's basically said before she dies she wants to give it all away 
Uh, and that's that's really commendable, to be fair. That's a lot of money to give away. I reckon she, sh- she should have waited until the uh, AWS split off. It would have been probably even more worth. She's still got loads. She's still something like 85 million or 58 million. I can't. It's I can't a difficult anymore. amount of money to give away, isn't it? <laughs> in in as odd, it's like a, I suppose it's a nice problem to have, but um, yeah, it seems like a, a you know you can't just like pop down to your local Bernardos and drop a billion on the counter and say, can you do something good with that? Yeah, and and I sort of I sort of agree that if you did just go to any old company, a billion wouldn't go to the charity, would it? A lot of it would go to lining CEO pockets of mm. of the charities. Why I don't particularly like some of the big big charities because i know how much of that money gets wasted into ceo pockets and yeah it, it must be quite a hard job to actually to try and really find meaningful places to put that money and um, bill gates is struggling with it apparently you know uh, he gives he gives quite a lot of away it might be a pr stunt. we're not we're not sure he's pretty good at that um but yeah asml you're buying that very high right are you buying that you think you're buying that high? You told me that last time. I know, I know. <laughs> I, know I know. I saw the dip and I went, oh, that looks like such a tempting dip. I, I chose we... Broadcom instead. That's why. My, my average price on ASML is still only about 370 euros. Yeah, I was going to say, that's when well, we, so... I bought it at the same time, I think. <laughs> about oh, mid, mid 300s. And, and I was there with you. I was looking at it going, oh, yeah, it's definitely the, like, I think at the at the time I was either chasing yield or something. I was just was like, "That's I, definitely that's definitely the right stock. I'll buy Tate and Lyle for the five percent yield." I think it was more that I just didn't have a. I, I thought I needed to talking about like really understanding your stocks, right? I know this is going to be a bit of a tangent to what we actually want to talk about, but talking about really understanding your stocks, I thought I needed to know. A stupid amount. I thought I needed to know everything about meteorology. I needed to know everything about chip manufacturing, how to put a silicon chip, what silicon is made out of. Every I thought I need <laughs> at the time. I thought I needed to know that much about it, and no, I didn't. I just needed to know the business plan, and, and that's it. That kind of stole me. You need time. to know how they make money. You don't need to go and work for them. Um, well, it, well, we took, if we go back to Peter Lynch, I mean Peter Lynch has a famous uh, speech where he reels off a load of DDR terawatt RAM and 16 mega teraflop, mm. blah, blah, blah. He goes into this big speech and then he says, yeah, I, didn't, I don't need to know about that. I just need Dunkin' Donuts and that will get me, you know, that'll get me my return. I don't have to, I don't have to worry about Korean imports. That was the famous like phrase that he says is, I don't have to worry about Korean imports. And with AMSL, AMSL, ASML, you don't, we, we know, uh, just for anybody listening out there, ASML is probably one of the biggest moats in the world right now because ASML may, is the only company pretty much in the world that makes the machines that make semiconductors. And, Lithography. And to, to the standard that ASML does because China can do it, I think TSMC can do something, but yeah, lithography is the is the term. But um, the government, U.S. government, basically put a ban or went to the Netherlands and said, "Can you put a ban on ASML selling anything to China because we don't want them to copy it?" 
and that's that's a massive massive moat um and yeah i knew all these things and i missed <laughs> i missed out and it's my only it's my only investment of regret so far um wow out of, out of anything i think it is my only investment of regret wow um, you sound That's surprised at that. Why? I'm impressed that you've only got one. I... <laughs> He's only been doing I've it a year. Like, I've got like I've... hundreds. I've got I've like one for every day of the year. The market's been open. And then even more for when it's not open. <laughs> I remember yeah, I Steve and I wrangling over about $10 of valuation. We both independently valued John Deere. And oh, we both came back to each other and got to within, I think, $10 of each other. And we were like, right, so if we're both coming up with this sort of valuation, we're in the right kind of ballpark. And I would say we were probably about $20 off, off you know, buying it. That price is now, I think it's right? nearly up 150% since Oh, then. yeah. It's, and that's yeah, it's just since last July, yeah. Yeah, summer I'd buy. Yeah, we did it with Boston beer. Boston beer, we did the same sort of thing. I think we came out at five nine five. It's now twelve hundred. <laughs> we do what? it every I, week. You know what? <laughs> what about... When you were talking about deer, because I actually remember you talking about deer a long time ago. I mean, you, you didn't really talk about that much in the Discord, but I think you did mention it. Hmm. I remember because there's a John Deere like right outside my house, just sort of over the road, and I remember standing outside it going. There's some big tractors. <laughs> that, that was all I really looked at. I was like, "Is this is this really like the next? Is, is this going to space? Is that what this is going?" Is, is, I mean, I didn't think I it was going think... to space. Uh, <laughs> I, I was thinking a bit more as kind of agricultural tech and sort of seed rotation and the ability they have to kind of sensor things and monitor things, and they're forever coming out with new and good farming tech things. I wasn't actually mm -hmm. thinking that building tractors was that big a deal. It turns out I was wrong <laughs> about that. Uh, it turns out yeah. during lockdown last year, what people were doing was buying loads and loads of little tractors. Uh, and deer sales went through the roof and the stock took off and I haven't seen it for dust since then. But I think they're one of the leaders in autonomous driving as well. Um, as, as odd as that sounds, they've they've, I... they've nearly fully automized their, their tractors. Yeah, I think it's I think it's GPS because it is something that I that, that I did know about because just the, because of the area I live in. Um, yeah, they they literally just set because it's so easy. It's not it's not like autonomous driving like on the road. Yeah, there's not many like and crossing on your farm. Yeah, 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 it's nothing like that. It's literally they on a GPS, basically on Google Earth. They just map out their farm or their patch of land, and then they make it go. It's it's like it's like them old programs. You it's it's like a Robo Hoover, isn't it? Just with the tractor. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is kind of like that. It is kind of like that, um, and yeah, it's it's just an interesting one. Uh, it's not one of my regrets because I didn't understand it at the time. And I think when I say regret, it's one company. ASML was probably one company that I think I really understood to a point. I just didn't realise that I understood it. I thought I had to know a lot more about it, and and yeah, I missed out on that, and I, it's a it's a real shame. Right. So today we've got a lot. Really to go on. Oh, sorry. Did did you feel left out there, Steve W? Or did you want yeah, to tell I, us what you were? Not really done much. I did not buy more Kellogg's. Um, I <laughs> decided to do the opposite thing to Steve for the moment. I thought I would live by the ancient Chinese proverb, which says, "Man who fill his icer on day one fill his trousers on day two. Um, and I <laughs> mainly been. So I'm glad you enjoyed that one. I spent ages thinking of that. Um, <laughs> but I mainly sat still. I did some buying in the invest just before. Um, the cut off for this because there was a nice 
<laughs> there was a nice little tech dip, and I did pick up Amazon, and I'm transferring that across at the moment. So in spite of having the opposite uh, approach to Steve, I've basically done the same thing. Uh, yeah, and I, I haven't done much either yet. I haven't had time, to be honest with you. But I, and to, to be honest with you, there's not a lot in my portfolio right now that I consider as <coughs> undervalued. So it might just be starting to have to buy into premium soon, and I don't like that feeling. Uh, a bit's going to go into indexes, I think, for me, because uh, I think just you do generally uh, buy a lot of indexes, and I think a lot of emerging markets are, are quite hit at the moment. I think we'll get onto that in a minute. But today we've got um, a bit of news that we want to talk about. We've got Archegos, Archegos, or Arch, Arch, Archegos, whatever you want to talk. <laughs> I can never. I, I've not been able to figure out the name. I've I've watched a lot of different CNBC presenters pr pronounce this ridiculously different every single time. So I have no idea. And uh, I think we're going to talk about Biden's uh, 2.2 trillion infrastructure plan and how he's going to pay for it. So we're going to have a chat about that. And if we get time, we'll have a chat about uh, some stocks at the end. So um, who wants to talk about Archie Gosh and Bill Huang? Um, who wants to talk about him first? Uh, I mean, I can go ahead and just outline the story if you want, because um, what happened last week was there was a bit of a family trust run by a guy called Bill Wang. He's a bit of a colorful fellow. Uh, in the past, he's had a few run-ins with uh, different authorities. He's been fined a lot for, I think it's insider, insider fraud. Insider trading, isn't it? Is it insider trading? Yeah, he's he's been done for that before. He's not doing anything illegal right now, uh, but he's caused a lot of problems. He caused a hell of a lot of problems. Uh, and he over, over leveraged his position in this trust, and it's caused about five stocks to go down dramatically over the past week. And it's actually, uh, even though we're probably a bit late to this news story specifically, there's been a lot of fallout this week on it and there's a lot of things going on towards the future which we can discuss but yeah this news probably came out last week and everyone was talking about it last week but this week is where the real fallout's been happening uh so yeah i think the five stocks oh i can't remember them all off the top of my head but the biggest ones would have been viacom uh that was one company that i was even looking at at a certain time because i thought oh they've got something going here with streaming um, but I, luckily, I didn't go anywhere near it because I think it dropped 50% in one day. Uh, Farfetched was another one. Uh, Steve D might be able to tell me how much that one dropped in a day. Yeah, it went drop... from 75 to 42, I think. Also, well, almost 50% 50, 50 on that one as well. Uh, and then the last one that I can remember is Baidu, uh, which is the Chinese equivalent of google are, are we saying yeah, pretty much yeah chinese equivalent of google uh that's quite a big one and to be fair that's looking pretty tasty right now um i had a look at it today actually uh but um yeah so those those three stocks were hit pretty heavily by uh mr huang messing up um What we need to discuss really here is how it happened. So does anyone want to take me up on this? Because my voice is crackling. Yeah, I'll join you for a little bit on this, Paul. Um, so Bill Huang had set himself up with a bunch of what are called total return swaps. Never mind what they are for the moment. 
Um, what do we need to know here is that they are basically ways of making leverage bets on the performance of stocks. And they've got, in particular, leverage bets on Discovery and Viacom CBS. And if you look at their chart, you'll see them going up quite a lot. Then they started coming down in a hurry because Viacom decided our stock's really expensive at the moment. Let's have a, uh, an issuance of some equity here because we can make money cheaply. And when you issue shares, your price goes down again quite quickly. Uh, and Bill Huang, as I understand it, had been making these um, leverage bets with basically up and down Wall Street. So he had Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, Nomura, Credit Suisse, and I think some others as well, uh, all of whom had these kind of uh, instruments with him. Um, and as I understand it, he had about 20 billion in these total return swaps at the kind of peak of these things, which is about 40 percent or equivalent of the Viacom market cap, which is insane. Uh, to be kind of 40% exposed to a company like that. If you're on leverage and the thing that you own comes down quickly, uh, basically leverage means that any movement hits you by a multiple of how much your leverage buys. So if you're five times leverage, you feel every movement five times as dramatically. Uh, Bill Huang was between five and seven times leveraged on these things. So a 10% move looks like a 70% move. And a 50% move looks like a really, really massive move, uh, depending on... Yeah, I'll break five this up seven. just... Yeah. I'll break this up just here because I think we, we do need to break it down a little bit. So what Bill Wang did was he approached a bank and he said, I would like to make a big CFD trade with you. And if anyone's familiar with, you know, uh, trading 212, it's the CFD section. It's very, very similar. That's what a total return swap is. You're essentially saying to the bank, OK, I will pay you X amount to say this stock will go up and you will pay me back the profit of it with um with a multiple on it as well and what the bank has to do in that situation is actually have to buy the shares someone has to actually buy the shares to uh, uh hedge the position and that's what caused the stock to go up and that's what caused viacom to go oh our, our stock is really popular at the moment we're gonna issue some shares we're gonna you know we're gonna get some money out of this and because i think viacom is actually a a loss-making company at the moment, or at least a decreasing cash flow company at the moment. And what, but what happens is when the stock goes down because of, of that share issuing, uh, not specifically because of that share issuing, because the share issuing caused people to sell. Um, we'll just make that very clear because I think you have to be very right sometimes on the internet. Um, when that caused it to go down, it caused Bill Wang to lose a lot of money by a multiple of seven. I think it was seven times in the end. And um, when that happens with one bank, that's relatively okay. It would have been pretty bad. But Bill Wang went around to five or six different banks and said the same thing. And the banks didn't talk to each other either. So uh, it ended up, I think, and this is, a, this is something I read on C, uh, CNBC. In the end... <clears throat> Uh, Bill Wang's position, uh, this is the Archegos, Archegos, Archegos position, was actually 50 billion in the end. That is what the total amount will be in the end. So when, uh, and because at the time, uh, but Bill Wang was susceptible to margin call as well. Everybody on total, total return swaps are given a margin call as well, just like you would be in a CFD trade. So if your stock went down too much, you can't just go massively into that. Can you imagine if he didn't have a margin call on this position and just what 
the amount of money it could have possibly gone to. That's in incredible. Uh, and uh, I'll let Steve D talk about what the next bit, what the banks had to do next. Well, the funny part is, is that the banks sort of learn uh, at some point that they were all kind of in this together. And some some banks were more exposed than others, but they basically got their heads together and developed a plan to uh, to sort of unravel all of these positions in a, a sort of safe and coordinated way. Um, but what essentially happened was um, Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs uh, broke off, <laughs> allegedly, and uh, basically left Credit Suisse and Nomura on the train line. And... Um, yeah, just broke off and closed off, closed off all their positions, and basically yeah, this caused is... a massive crash in all these equities. This is so funny because, yeah, they. So when 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 the margin calls, the banks have to are holding the actual stocks. They have to sell the stocks just to get their money back. Uh, it causes it will cause the the stock to go down, and just to be nice, so it didn't cause this massive crash and loads of people to lose equity, and. So that all the banks would take the same sort of amount of loss, they all decided to get together and go, okay, you sell a bit here, you sell a bit here, you sell a bit here. And then it seems that they just left the meeting and Goldman Sachs went, nah, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sell it all. Down at my ears account. <laughs> yeah. Like, they, they all work on Wall Street. I mean, I watched, um, I watched The Big Short yesterday just to get sort of, get my head around the behavior of these banks again uh, after this story came out and i was like yeah of course they would do that like can you imagine a wall street like four wall street banks getting together and going oh yeah we'll make a nice solid plan and then of course one of them's gonna go oh these these pricks are all gonna yeah. it's like telling it. peter griffin not to touch the button isn't it <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was like. And basically all that's happened is Morgan Stanley and JP Morgan have walked off with a uh, 1.5 billion-ish impairment, which, you know, is, is nothing to them. And Credit Suisse, which is only really just finding its feet after all the fraud allegations, so have you, has been hit with near 5 billion. So, um... And that's the fallout this week, isn't it? Uh, the fallout this week is that Credit Suisse is down massive. I haven't seen... Uh, is this Costa's collusion, been... sorry? Is this... Is it I even allowed? It, I don't think it is because it's not to save themselves as such. It's not like a price fix. It's more, although saying that, it is like an insider trade. Like they all knew and were sharing that these stocks were going to go down. It's an interesting thing to to know. Because in a business, you wouldn't be able to do that. That'd be yeah, a, right. that'd be anti-competitive. Yeah, there, there might be something there. I, I'm not sure. It might have been something to do with risk. Uh, to know, but yeah, uh, it looks like Credit Suisse is down twenty percent on the news, and it's cut its dividend. That was the main reason why I think it it lost so much money, uh, uh, why it's lost so much market cap. But, I, I think uh, it's yeah, only just it's reinstated its dividend as well off the top of my head. I don't think it's that dividend has been back an awful long time. Credit Suisse is not doing well. I thought it was going to do well, but it's it's really not. It's really struggling at the moment. But out of all of them, I think. I feel like Credit Suisse is one of the dodgiest banks out there. I mean, not just the fraud allegations it's come from. I mean, that was an obvious one, but it, it, there's some, there's a lot of dodgy tax, uh, tax haven behaviour that goes on in Credit Suisse in there, and it's indeed in all of 
that co- that country's uh, financial as well. And NatWest is the the most recent to be hit with money laundering charges, isn't it? NatWest is meant to be. Uh, it's not the sort of bank that I would have put uh, as being involved in that kind of thing. So it, that makes me think they're probably all like it's just Credit Suisse are incredibly blazing. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, does it feel like these stories just kind of go round and round with banks? That basically they just take it in turns to have some sort of scandal. So when it's not them, it's Citigroup randomly wiring money to the wrong people, or uh, that happened, or, or yeah. Wells Fargo um, creating fake accounts, or before that various other things, and just so on and round and round we go, more or less. I mean, it, it feels to me like banks just basically go from scandal to being back on track again, and then back into another scandal, and then get back on track again. It should make them fairly easy to trade, shouldn't it? You just kind of wait for the next scandal and then back that they'll come through it. Yeah, this, you've got this... to be part of the Illuminati and you've got to know which bank's being picked to make the next boo-boo, I guess, because what you're suggesting there is they all meet in hoods and go, okay, you're going to do the... the Spin the bottle in it. Laundering this. Are you... <laughs> yeah. are you... So to be clear, I'm not suggesting they all collude on this. I'm just suggesting that they <laughs> they seem to be like individually incapable of helping themselves. I don't think there was ever any meeting where they said, you, Citigroup person, send this money to these completely incorrect people. Um, and then hope to God you can get it back somehow, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Who's, are you suggesting Motley Fool is the spokesman for the Illuminati? <laughs> no comment. So, so yeah, uh, but this does raise a much bigger issue now with, um, with knowing that this hedge fund and it's it it wasn't a very uh, was it a 20 billion hedge fund so that is a relatively large it's not a hedge fund by the way it's a mm. family trust that was mo- that was one of the most important yeah. things family office they do- yeah they don't need to declare their positions that was very important uh, and this is a big big fund uh, 20 billion uh, to be in and it's all on leverage uh, don't know there isn't a there isn't a significant amount of cap their own capital in there it's basically a whole fund that's built on leverage, which was, it's just absolutely crazy to me. It is worth How noting, many... I suppose, that he did grow that fund from a couple of a hundred million to to the size it was. He was only seeded mm. a couple of hundred million to start with. So, yeah, he, he is, he's got sort of a track record. It's not like we could just go in and say, like, to Barclays, like, can we have 10 billion? Because we, we want to, you know, we want to have a go at gambling on Lloyd's TSB. <laughs> it's just not going to work. Well, they're not even a bank that anymore. Are they? What a terrible, like, this old I'm bank s- that's defunct. <laughs> I'm seeing a lot of GameStop shares, shareholders popping up to Barclays now. The ones, <laughs> the ones that triple their returns. <laughs> but how many, how many more of these are there out there? That's the question, right? How many more Archigo, Archigos, how many more are there out there? Because loads. That could just be one, right? Yeah, I reckon loads. there's loads. I reckon there's loads. I mean, this happened because, for the same reason, kind of, the Melvin Capital thing happened, which is that people were ignoring what their risk limits were supposed to be, basically. They got massively over-leveraged, massively overexposed, and the reason you don't do that is because things can go badly wrong. And in the case of the Melvin Capital thing, you should only be sure about, I think it's supposed to be 10% of your book. So even if you get smacked twice over, you're down 20%, basically. That's your like worst, worst-case scenario. Your stop-loss takes you out if you're shorting in that situation. They weren't doing that. They were way too short on that and they had no stop loss from what I understand it, which meant they just get, kept getting hit again and again and again. And that's the kind of thing that even I know. Uh, and I'm never going to work at a hedge fund, at least not in any kind of trading capacity. Maybe they need some bins emptying or something. 
but um, it's this is kind of basic stuff. So it's not the case that people don't know it. It's the case that people don't care about it. And it must be the case, I'm guessing, that there are more people out there who are not caring about this. And you can just be really unlucky uh, and find things go against you. But if you're not protecting your downside properly by thinking about your risk management, whether you're a hedge fund or a family um, office, that's the kind of thing that can happen. That's it. They, he's been he's been knocked out on margin call. So he technically has. So, well, as I say, he, the bank or each individual bank has technically said, okay, yeah, we've, we're knocking you out before you can lose any money. That's what the margin call is. So it's technically doing that. But the effect that he's had on these stocks are incredible. And who's doing it on Amazon? Who's doing it on Apple? And how many people are doing this on? I don't know, te- Tesla? <laughs> There's nobody doing it on Simon. <laughs> no, there might be quite a few people doing it on sort of granite shares leverage things, though, on some of the names that Paul mentioned there. I mean, mm. when Tesla was having its really big run, I mean, there were people who were saying on CNBC, because they say what people want them to say on CNBC, but three times long, Tesla, or even three times short Tesla, because it's run up, maybe it will go back down again. It's just mad. On a stock that's that volatile, you get mullered with just small movements, basically. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm not thinking individual retail here, but, you know, that was a 20 billion fund. How How many more 20 billion funds are there out there? These little small, you know, family run 20 billion funds. And then how many... Five billion funds are there? How many two billion funds are there? There's there's a lot of there's a lot of mines out there that could just all collapse at once. And how long have they been doing this? That's what I want to know. And are the banks going to go out nicely and all get together and evaluate the risk and uh, change everything up and say, oh, you know what? Hold on, Bill Wang number two, we're not, we're going to restrict you now because you know. We're going to restrict you now because that's too dangerous for the economy and it's a bit too dangerous to our risk. Are banks really going to go out and do that without any legislation? Not when they can just print money whenever they fancy it, not create it out of thin air. It's just just one of those sort of like um, side effects of sort of a free free money economy at the moment, is it? When leverage is cheap, um, people are going to over lever. Um, when, When we start to tighten up, um, interest rates and things like that, and leverage becomes more expensive, and stocks don't move as wildly. Um, leverage won't be as attractive. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a massive problem really. I'm not, not. It's key to note that not all family offices are five times levered on five stocks with twenty billion worth of funds. It's, it's very unlikely that that's the case. Um, a lot of them will probably not have much leverage at all. Um, so yeah, they're not evil. It's just this was a particularly bad trade that went sour really fast. Yeah, I think I think that's worth noting. It, this this to me feels like it could be something like it's going to be the one story that we hear about and we just we're never going to hear about it again and that'll be it. Or or on the other worst case scenario is it's a now a domino effect that we we're just hearing the first thing. We're, we're hearing the first one and the rest are still to come over the next five years. Uh, I'm pretty convinced now we're about five years away from the bubble popping. That's, uh, that's some, just just my own little bit of research I've been doing. Over the Where have I put my crystal ball? 
<laughs> you shove that in your eyes as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, next up, we're going to talk about Biden's infrastructure plan. Uh, I reckon Steve W is the guy on, on this one. You've got a lot, haven't you? I did do a little bit of number crunching today, and I saw, I think, what Biden plans to spend on. I haven't got exactly how he plans to, to pay for it, but I think some of you have got an idea. But he's thinking about putting in $621 billion into mm-hmm. transportation and infrastructure, Three hundred billion into electrical grid and broadband access. Hundred billion into schools. That seems really small now in comparison to the rest of it. Affordable housing, two hundred thirteen billion. That's good news for Lenar, I think. And uh, R and D for the future tech. That's a that's a new one. R and D for future tech. That's very vague. Hundred eighty billion goes into that. Uh, vague sector and workforce development 100 billion so we know where biden plans on having his money going um looks like it's going into future tech and infrastructure and green energy that's the plan right yeah i've also got written down 400 billion for elderly care uh, for some reason i'm not sure i didn't see that one I've got some slightly different numbers to you, but broadly the same. Certainly that's 621 uh, for modernising roads, rails, transports, that kind of thing, all uh, tallies with what I've got here. But, um, yeah, so I don't have anything particularly interesting at the stocks level here. I mean, the the sort of standard plays to me look like they're already kind of priced for this sort of thing. So fairly obviously you'll need materials. So building supplies, think US concrete, but that's had a bit of a run lately as well. Think steel demand likely to be high. Lots of steel comes out of China. I'd be surprised if Biden's plan is to try and import it all from the Chinese uh, in order to rebuild the US infrastructure. Uh, so think Nucor, but that's also fairly well covered. The interesting one was I thought I read 174 billion for electric vehicles, jobs and infrastructure and that kind of thing. Um, I wonder where these kind of jobs and infrastructure will get created and who the main beneficiaries of that would be. I would be surprised if they're not Ford and GM in some way. Uh, Ford and GM are things that people think of as kind of traditionally American, like Mustangs and Hummers and so on and so forth, more than they think of Tesla, not because they shouldn't think of Tesla or because Tesla won't find ways to win in an EV booming market where the focus is on that kind of thing, but because politicians don't like Elon Musk very much. It's workhorse, isn't it? Workhorse is getting it. Workhorse is getting that 170 billion, isn't it? Uh, No, that's for... um, That's for infrastructure on the moon, I think. Yeah, no, because Ford basically, uh, well, it was Oshkosh, wasn't it? But Ford got yeah. the contract, right? Oshkosh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so uh, I don't yeah. have anything much at the level of um, stocks, but there's some general sort of themes there, I guess, that are worth thinking about. It's quite, it's quite interesting, actually, because GM has just brought out its Hummer and Hummer 2 electric yep. version, and I think it announced a saloon vehicle uh today for that and that's convenient timing it's like like they knew it was going to be happening is this it's the safe. same hummer that can go sideways yeah it's, i don't it know makes... if they can do it yet but they well, said it was definitely were... on the advert it was on the first advert well yeah. to be fair 
Nicholas... you think I just put it on a hill and let it go sideways into something? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that. I was going to say. Sorry, Zach. Sorry. I was, was going to say Nicola has started um, actually driving its trucks now. So they actually They are accelerating, and I've seen pictures. <laughs> to, to the chest. Um, I saw how... Trevor, Trevor has sold uh, the rest of his shares, hasn't he? Did anybody yeah, see that? He's gone. <laughs> he's gone. gone. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Else. Imagine just Jack, starting a company, you... lying about it, lying about it, it, it doing absolutely nothing. You build a chassis, you roll it down a hill, and then you retire <laughs> a quarter of a billionaire. And yeah. and you know, we're the All idiots, really, aren't lie. we? It... All they had to do was lie. It is almost like the Serrano situation, especially within. But I, I, I see the company still going on. Um, but yeah, no, I have seen some progress from Nicola as of recent. Um, it there might be, you know, it it might be actually driving now. I don't know. I've just seen pictures. <laughs> Anyhow, I think Homer. I don't know. The standards have just dropped, haven't they? Like the car, the car, the car is driving. <laughs> it is it's like the it's bare minimum forward. I would expect from two billion pounds worth of research is that the car moves. Yeah. Did Absolutely you say you've seen mad. a picture? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was gonna go. With. I was gonna go near. So you haven't even seen a video. You've seen a photograph. <laughs> no, I've, no, I've seen a picture. Just, you know, you know when just you... a guy like pushing it across the sky. <laughs> Trevor Milton. No, the, the weird. You know, the only reason I said that was because you know the um. You know that sense of speed when the, the picture starts blurring up? Mm. There was some blur <laughs> in the background. Yeah, so I can't the was... Glasses were steaming up with excitement. I don't know about back Homer. On I don't... Topic. Back I'm on a... topic. I'm, on. A bit, I'm a bit skeptic <laughs> on Homer. And I think, do DM still own Homer? Yeah. yeah. So that advert that you've seen, that advert you've seen is all CGI. Uh, yes. It's worth noting that advert with the crab work and stuff. Yeah. It yeah. was a great little. Great little gimmick, the crab walk, but I'm sure they said that that wasn't even possible till 2026. Yeah. That won't be in the new Hummers like, in any way. This is so, almost like um, those concept cars popping up in uh, Geneva Motor Shows and stuff. I think because we haven't got an actual Geneva Motor Show. 2026 year. is just long enough to never mention it again and everyone will yeah. forget. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't think they will because that's that's pretty that's pretty burned in our brains that crab walk thing. Uh, in case anybody is listening and doesn't doesn't know what we're talking about, basically uh, GM released uh, their first video of the new Hummer probably a year ago now, and they said these this amazing thing is they had loads of cool stuff in it. It could like it could walk and do a dance and all sorts of crap. But uh, one of the one of the best things was it drives up to some rocks and it does an overhead view, which is supposedly from a drone, but it's all CGI and it goes crab walk and it the, the car just turns its wheels and goes sideways and, and over and i thought oh my god the world is going absolutely mad who needs the crab walk uh, i mean you pull it into a difficult parking space uh, i guess um but yeah back on back on subject so biden biden let's get back to biden listen how's he gonna do it uh mrs That's... jeff bezos is gonna pay for it all <laughs> yeah, she's, she's going to donate. She's going to donate to the U.S. economy. I think. As, I think probably giving a... more back to the U.S. economy than Amazon has, uh, which is probably a nice segue into how they're actually going to pay for it. Because cool. it seems that Biden plans on taxing tech really, really heavily. Right? 
Um, they, uh, does anybody, did anyone see the little, it was on the Discord actually, someone put it up on the Discord, it was really nice to show exactly how tech was being taxed, because it doesn't actually get taxed very much right now on a federal rate, does it? Does anybody know that, or am I just talking out my ass here? No, I don't know anything don't, specific to tech. Much. I mean, I looked at sort of corporation t- or corporate tax rates. In, yeah, for the entire which globe. I assumed would slam tech harder than other things in theory because tech just makes more money than most things if you look at the kind of mm. revenues and profits and stuff. But I didn't know anything and, specific to tech there. And tech I, doesn't seem to pay taxes as well in some countries. Yeah, I don't. I don't have the information in front of me right now. But I think it. I think what you're saying probably rings a bit better to me than that is that tech is just going to be slightly more is going to be considerably more affected than the industrial sector would because it the industrial sector is technically profitable so they're usually high cash flow anything basically with a high cash flow business should remain relatively similar they'll they'll suffer a bit more corporate tax but I think they're really going for the tech, high cash, high, uh, low, low profit. Yeah, Amazon is 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 it. I mean, I've come across Yellen um, pointing out that they're going to increase corporation tax from twenty one percent to twenty eight, yep. and that's after the Trump administration reduced it from thirty five percent. So they're kind of reversing the 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 tax uh, the taxing system structure um and i think they're kind of um enticing their own social kind of uh, parameters in and across the world because they're saying this is i find this funny because what they're saying is um listen world we don't want to um fight over who can get the lowest corporation tax for, for our tech companies and they are specifically talking about the amazons and the facebooks and the googles as well pay hardly any tax in some countries and i think um this thing let's be fair let's keep it fair for everyone so you can make money and we can make money um so it's not just a case of um um us guys attacking our own companies um for our own sake but it's going to be mutually beneficial for everyone in the long run see it all started with this trickle down economics right that was how it was all planned is is this the end of that tr- trickle down idea are they just they decided to throw the towel in on it and going okay uh it didn't work because i don't think it did work i don't think it america still lost jobs to china people still outsource manufacturing to china and you know if the u.s really is the hub of technology and the hub of you know the free world and all that trickle down economics shouldn't really really matter high corporation tax now is is what's going to give back the infrastructure the technical uh, ability for america to still stay as one of the great techno technological for forerunners of the of the world um what do you think is that is this the end of trickle down economics because that was a horrible phrase i think um I mean, trickle-down economics is when the government boosts the economy, right? So when it gets more jobs out there, uh, companies are able to afford more people. The, I, uh, the way I saw it was that basically you lower 
tax rate, you lower the tax The idea rate is that the rich get richer. Yeah, they, but they, they create more jobs and the money mm -hmm. from the rich trickles down rather than, the rather than the government taking the money and giving it to people who have less. It's that the, the it would happen naturally. Um, did it happen? I think... No, it didn't. It's a completely failed experiment. Well, it's happened to some degree, but yeah. but it's not to the degree that they expected. The, the rich have got exponentially richer and the the poor have only got marginally better off. Um, yeah. So it's a failed is... experiment. Yeah, because the idea is um, for the companies to invest in their, even for their local areas where the companies are based and the local communities to kind of prosper. Um, but if that didn't happen, then trickle-down economics doesn't work. The thing about the, the, the infrastructure bill is that all the stuff that they're doing needs doing. Um, whether it needs doing at the, the kind of pace they're going to push it through is is up for debate. But, you know, if they feel... Well, the, the general rule for getting out of a recession fast is to spend on infrastructure. So the US obviously feel they're in a in a real recession. They obviously feel that some of these travel jobs, these holiday jobs, they're not coming back um, on these retail jobs, of course. And, and we, I mean, we've seen that quite a lot on our shores in that, you know, a hell of a lot of our retail shops have, are now part of either Boohoo or Asos, and they're not going to be on the street when you go back. So, you know, these 20,000 jobs here and 10,000 jobs here, they all add up. So the idea that you would then say to somebody, hey, look, you can retrain and you can start fitting charge points because, you know, the fact of the world is, is that we're going to need a hell of a lot of charge points, far more charge points than we have electricians at the moment. You know, we're going to need, a, you know, we're not going to need as many oil jobs. So those people have got to be able to go and do something. So the idea of spending 10% of your GDP on, uh, on infrastructure is a good idea. Um, whether it's spent in the right places and whether it's vote-winning spending um, is up for debate. But generally, I think it's a really positive thing. Up the corporation tax, wouldn't that mean effectively they'll have less money to invest? I think um, I was reading that Yellen was kind of... They were obviously admitted, but she was kind of afraid that um, some companies will try to find new loopholes. So I think the idea was to get all the governments on board. Um, I think, I think the uh, I was just reading the Organisation for Economic Cooperation Development. They they're also working on a new set of cross-border tax rules. So effectively, it is a kind of a, a global um, discussion and roundtable. Yeah, uh, it kind of is. I mean, a couple of things on this particular point. I mean, a couple of companies I've looked at when I've just been looking for companies that might be worth investing in include things like Brookfield Infrastructure Partners. Uh, when you look at where they're kind of based for tax purposes, that's Bermuda, because Bermuda has a tax rate of zero. Uh, same with Accenture, which is uh, business services. They're based out of Ireland. Ireland has a tax rate of 12.5%. So if you're in the US and you think, well, we'd like to move our tax rate from 21% to 28%, there is a very great danger that companies might just decide they don't want to pay their tax in the US, they want to pay it somewhere else. So the way to make that less attractive is to say, well, look, how about the whole world has a, a basic tax rate? And that way people can't run away or at least can't profit by running away. It's an interesting feature that the US are keen on this now when their tax rate's about to become uncompetitive uh, compared to other things. They weren't so keen on it before, for instance, when they were a reasonably competitive sort of tax rate. But now it's a case that uh, America's about to move to a kind of uncompetitive tax rate of 28% or so, which is substantially more than kind of Ireland, Bermuda, Singapore, even Europe. Uh, now, all of a sudden, it's time for everyone to cooperate and make sure that we have a kind of common tax policy. 
yeah, I'm not convinced. Yeah, what I'm showing up on screen right now is the um, possibility of how much how much this would affect the certain industries if they did bring in a global minimum tax rate. Uh, this is the Janet Yellen style tax rate. I don't think it's ever going to happen. Ireland has already massively put up the middle finger, I think, on this one. Mm. Um, but yeah, if they did bring in a... It, it's staggering how much tech is getting away with not paying tax at the moment. The whole tech, set, tech sector just pays half the amount of tax than other than other places and it's all because of how i'm guessing it's all because of how for want of a better word liquid they are i suppose because it's all online it's all moving it, it doesn't seriously it's, need to be based in one position does it it's almost as if she's messing with the um the kind of uh free market um economics here now because perfect per, a perfect market is where mm. Companies are, I mean, countries are competitive uh, to try, you know, entice companies to kind of um, locate there. And I think she's kind of dissuading countries doing that now by setting... I think that's uh, dead um, on. I mean, the issue for a country is how much are you taxing and how much are you giving back in exchange for that tax? I mean, you can take in nothing and give back nothing. You can take in a lot and give back a lot. Uh, Scandinavian countries tend to do this. But the question always becomes kind of where do you get the best deal? Uh, and countries are usually at liberty to set their own policies on these sorts of things. A kind of common tax uh, set up would restrict in some sense people's capacity for doing that, uh, I think. Tech companies to kind of situate there, I think. Yeah, I think she's having a... I don't understand. I, think, I, don't, I don't know if it's going to be best for the US or it's going to be actually better for the world, but from what we're getting, that she's trying to... Accentuate that um, the global economy is going to benefit because they can invest all that money into their post-COVID recoveries. It's damage limitation, isn't it? Yeah, part of me wonders mm. whether this is meant to be serious or whether this is kind of just Janet Yellen's opening gambit for a kind of longer play here. But I can't see what that is for what it's worth. I mean, she's not silly. She will know full well that people will look at that and say, well, sure, we should... Uh, create a common tax policy where it suits the US to do that. Uh, but why mm. on earth would we want to do that in Bermuda or Singapore or anywhere else? Singapore doesn't have any debt from what I understand of it. Why do they care about raising more money through taxes or bringing their tax policies into line with a bunch of com uh, countries that have been uh, printing money left and right? I mean, there's no way they're going to agree to kind of willingly have a system that's going to bail out the states, as far as I can tell. But So you think when this information came out... All the other countries were going. What does she actually want? You know, they 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 kind of looked at it and went, "Hmm." So she's asking for that. What what does she really want? What that's what really I would be wondering in this kind of situation here. I mean, I I kind of I don't think Janet Yellen's seriously thinking that the kind of thing on the table is the is is likely to happen. Maybe I'm badly wrong here, but this looks to me yeah, like Janet uh, Yellen. We don't know. <laughs> their stimulus package they are trying to make money back from it so they're gonna have to find some extreme kind of ways to to do so there's a hell of a lot of debt to be paid off definitely yes sir but yeah no i okay, think that's, so that... i think there's going to be more crazier kind of um, ways for to make money back on on their stimulus plans yet to come from her get bill huang in 
<laughs> he ain't got a job at the moment. Yeah. Just, just leverage the crap out of everything. Yeah. Just give him three trillion. Been doing, been doing that for years. Been doing that for absolutely years. We're just doing it in a different way, aren't we? That's that's all it is. Right, so that's been quite a heavy ending to this one. Uh, we're at 55 minutes right now, so I think we're just going to end it there. That was been a really good session. I think it's been quite heavy. A lot of information there. Hopefully there was some silliness from us in the middle. Um, thank you very much for listening, everybody. You can find this on Spotify, Audible, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. You can also find this on our brand channel, which is the Playing Footsie. I think it's just called Playing Footsie, right? It's not called Playing Footsie yep. Podcast. It's just called Playing Footsie on YouTube uh, so you can see our wonderful faces and you can see the one screen share that I did today. I meant to do loads more. I just got totally sidetracked with everything else. Uh, but yeah, we're always trying to improve this every week. It used to be on my YouTube channel, but now it's on its own channel. Thank you very much for watching, everyone, and we will see you next.